everything. Just yes, Lord. I'll pick on Sister Cheryl. I love you when you say that. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, in the message. I, I love that. Reminds me of our, our willingness to answer the call, to let God have his way in our lives. Amen? Amen. We're, while you're standing, we're going to get right into the word Exodus 3, 8. And I come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Aren't you glad that God delivers us out of bondage and sin and entrapment and and this world and the precarious kind of things we get into and bring them out of the land unto a good land and a large. God is promising to bring his children out unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Everybody say milk and honey. Unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. This was the promise of God. It gives insight to what God's will was for his people at this time. And we know that Moses led the Israelites to the border of the land of Canaan after their escape from Egypt. I just mentioned that. We just read that. I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. And this land, which was called Canaan, was the land flowing with milk and honey that God had described. Before you see it, before you see it this morning, I want you to turn to somebody and tell them, I won't stop until I see the milk and honey. Isn't that exciting? I'm not going to stop until I see God's promises. Right? How many's heard of Debbie Downer? And here it goes. But church, sometimes we do stop. Oh, the flow just stopped. God gives us a promise. We know it's from God. There's absolutely no doubt it's from God. But something happens and we stop. We don't cross over to that promise. We don't get to experience that when it's presented to us, and sometimes not at all. And we're going to talk about uh, a little bit more about this. And that's what I want to discuss here today, why we don't keep going when God calls. And for some crazy reason, I call it the Caleb effect. Numbers 13.1, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among these tribes. So there was 12 tribes, 12 leaders in, or rulers in these tribes, and they went out. And Moses did choose 12 men, one from each tribe to go and scout the land before um, entering it. We find Caleb here. He's going to be our center um, uh, actor, if you will, on this stage. Uh, as one of the 12, representing the, to, uh, the tribe of Judah. Judah is what? Praise. Remember that. The 12 men spied out the land for 40 days and came back to Moses. Uh, I did not 
go to church, but only a few times as a child. Um, but one of the Sunday school lessons I do remember is because of a big a picture, and you guys probably remember this and seen it, and I'm sure they do, is two guys carrying a, a vine of grapes, and they're humongous, and it took two people. I do remember, I remember that. Uh, like I said, I wasn't raised in church. I didn't go to Sunday school just a couple times with a neighbor. And so, but I do remember that. I remember that from teaching Sunday school, from having kids in Sunday school, from uh, lessons and books and Bible studies. I do remember the picture. Numbers 13, 23, and 33, uh, through 33, I'm sorry. And they came unto the brook of Eshel and cut down from thence a branch, branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two upon a staff, and they brought of pomegranate. Anybody likes pomegranates? In, in, in San Diego, where I grew up about nine years, right across the street, I mean, in the back of a trailer park, I mean, literally that right across was a pomegranate trees just lined the street, and then bottle brush trees in between those, and uh, so I have a bottle brush tree in my yard. I got to get a pomegranate tree. The place was called the Brook of Eshel because of the cluster of grapes with the, which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation. And bear with me, we're going to read a few more scriptures and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came into unto the land whither thou sent us. Why did, why did, Moses sent them, sent them because of God telling him and the promises, right? Remember that promise, God's will. And surely, and they concurred, they agreed, they confirmed, it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Okay, it's exactly like God said. So, okay, let's go, let's go. Nope. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. Here, we, here comes the Debbie Doubters. And the cities are walled, and the very and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. And I could stop right here and just give you the message that uh, it doesn't matter the circumstance, doesn't matter the obstacles in your life. God give you gave you a calling. Hey, man, you need to go. And there's a lesson here today, but we're gonna get drawn out and and and, and crazy and and probably bore you a couple of minutes here. No laughter. Oh, it's true. Oh, no, Buck is going, yep, that's right. The uh, Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and he starts doing all these heights again, uh, Hittites and Tites and Jezebites, or Jezusites, I'm sorry, I'm getting a hit. Amorites dwell in these mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb, Caleb, our guy, he stilled the people before Moses, and he said, let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. All right, you're saying praise the Lord, but you've been on the other side too where this crazy guy stands up and says, we can do it, pastor. And we're like, ooh, calm down there. And we're going to get in both sides of that story. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than us. The city has too many permitting, right? Too many permits, too many rules, too many regulations. 
The county doesn't like us to do this. We're not allowed to put this sign up. We're not allowed to wave this banner. And 32 says this, and this is crazy. And they brought up an evil report of the land. Let me inject here. This was the land flowing with milk and honey. The land God promised. The land that was God's will for them to, for, uh, for, and desire for them to possess. God has it all planned out. He's like, here we go, here it is. In which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search is a land that eateth up its inhabitants thereof. They're just going to devour us. And all the people that we saw are the men of great statue. And we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of, uh, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. That's another familiar Sunday school uh, lesson. And so we were in their sight. Excuse me. They reported that the land was indeed fruitful, but its inhabitants were mighty descendants of Anak or the giants. And this did not sit well with the 10 of the 12 spies. We know Joshua was, was uh, on Caleb's side, but we're, we're focusing on this Caleb today. They were terrified by the size and the strengths of the Canaanites. The 10 warned Moses not to enter. The Bible says they brought an evil report, as I mentioned. Remember, these 10 were rulers. They were leaders of the tribes, yet they still did not understand God's will. They didn't grasp it. They let fear change their course in history. And let me interject this. They let experiences in the past decide the future. We've been struck down for so many years, we see obstacles that they're going to strike us down. They're going, we're going to end up being slaves to them if they don't destroy us. Whatever their experiences. But my man Caleb silenced the murmuring. Fearful men. All these people. And he said this. We should go up and take possession for we can certainly do it. Numbers 13 tells us that. Taylor, uh, Caleb. Caleb took a stand because as the Bible states in Joshua 14, he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Caleb knew the promises of God to the Israelites. And despite his own eyes seeing obstacles, he had faith God would give them the victory over the Canaanites. Why? Very simple. We don't have to dig into that. This was the promised land. This is what God had promised us to get. He said, you're going to go there. You're going to find this. Go take this. It was God's will. Some of us know this feeling, standing up in front of others and stating what God has told you only to be shut down. Unfo no matter what, it, it could be anything at work, at church, wherever it is. Sometimes you get in a position, you know what's going to happen, and something stands in your way. Unfortunately, the people of Israel ignored Caleb and listened to the report of the other spies. They were so frightened that they wept all night, the Bible says, and even wished they had died back in Egypt, in bondage. They turned on Caleb and Joshua, and they wanted to stone them on the spot. And of course, God was extremely angry with the people and threatened to, to destroy them until Moses interceded. And God conceded, but he commanded that the people would wander in the wilderness until all the faithless generation had died. 
But he said, but God said, my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me fully and gave him promise that he would own his own land that he had seen as a spy. The Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until all of the generation except Joshua and Caleb died. And all I wrote on here, and I wrote when I was preparing this, was wow. What we have here is where clearly God's will was for the children of Israel to cross over to the promised land. And we have those who believe this and knew God would help them certainly do it. And then we have them that could not understand or see God's will or refuse to believe it, nor understand his promises. And I'm not getting into the theological aspects of years later. We'll get into that in a minute of how this plans out because God, God can work with anything. God, God can continue anything. And those people ended up getting their way, which created 40 years of heartache and wandering from for them all. And I call that, as I mentioned, the Caleb effect. I am a solid, firm believer, kind of what I just mentioned, that each of us has a calling from, from God. And we call it God's will in our lives. There's a generic, if you will, not playing down anything, God's will to reach the lost. I do not have to stop in a grocery aisle and tell brother, or, you know, oh, hey, I see you there. Wait, let me pray God's will if I need to talk to you. Or not. God called us to reach the lost. We engage in conversation. We, hey, how are you doing? What part of town are you are in? This or that? Have you found a church lately? You know, we do that. Even in my, I had a one-on-one -on -one interview on Friday. Brought up church with the director. You know, I, I, I want those opportunities. That's God's will. I, I prayed that everything was go great in the interview, but I don't remember praying, God, let me speak to him about you even though I could have, but I, and it would have been great to do that, but I, that's, I do that. I, I think we all need to do that. And I just took about five minutes there of my time. A direction, it's God's will. God wants us to go to follow his path. I also believe that we can deviate from that path due to internal and external circumstances in our life. And we're, this is where we're going to shift to what is this Caleb effect. The eternal and external circumstances that come in our lives that causes us to stray, to sit back, to wait, to hang on, not to go forward with God's will in our lives. In, in, internal, this is pretty much self-explanatory. We don't feel it's God's will anymore. Fear sits in of the known and the unknown. We know it's going to be tough. We might not go. We don't know it's going to be tough or we don't know what's going on. We might not go. Sin enters our life. That's a, a big one where, uh, and, and, uh, and a lot of people uh, don't end up following God's will for their lives because of, an, of their mind, whatever they're looking, whatever that happens in their life, sin is also that. But I don't think sin is the most important one for a member, like a church member. I don't think that is going to be as big of an impact as some of these others that I'm going to mention. So it, sin might come in spiritual mind. In other words, we're responsible for discontinuing our path to God's will. The eternal effect. We, us, you, I, we can't blame anybody else but ourselves. This is what we call, I call the in internal 
effect, the circumstances that are affected. I see somebody, oh, I'm not, I guess I don't need to do it because they're doing it. Or something, you know what I mean? That's me. That's my thinking. And then there's the external. Today's text of the story of Caleb and the children of Israel is, is an example of the external. A congregation. Yes, God's people chose fear of the unknown over God's promises. And the known, too, because they knew there was giants. Another example is just life. To sit back. A job loss, an accident, a death in the family. You were on the path and something occurred in your life that caused a pause, a different route in time. Caleb's promise from God remained the same, but the timing changed. Let's go to real life. I, this is a scenario I made up, so let's go. But it could be a real life story. Let's say you want to start a ministry like a food bank. You and your spouse save money. You get uh, approval from pastor, from the church board. You get donations. You find a rental space, and you're about ready to open when tragedy strikes and your spouse dies. And you might get some people to say, well, bless God, it wasn't his will. Enter the Caleb effect. You can take that advice and stop. And most likely, no one would ever criticize you because that's tough to do something like that after a devastating loss. It is tough to do. It is, and I'm talking about Holy Ghost-filled believers here, okay? It, it's still tough to do. We have the promise. We have God's Spirit, the comforter in times of trouble and times we need. And I've seen that in, in our church here with losses. I've seen that over and over again, that God continues, and they continue God's will in their lives. So that could be hard. Nobody would, it's tough. And you know what? God can still bless you the rest of your life. I believe that. God still. But you could also continue the original plan, believing God will provide you with the strength to do his calling. What's right and what's wrong? I, I, I've, like I tell people, when I, I can't put anybody in heaven and hell, and I can't tell you. And I, I can't tell you what's right and wrong. God is going to bless you. We're going to get in that in just a minute. Yes, circumstances have changed. Uh, timing has changed. And you might have to wait a little longer, but God gave you a vision, a promise, and he will keep it. I mentioned the word wait, and, and I've mentioned this, and I've seen this over the last couple of years of, of preachers. Uh, you know, maybe the answer is wait. Maybe there's yes, no, and wait. And sometimes I think we might, we might hear that differently. And uh, the word way I reference does not mean for you to stop. There's a definition of that word wait that does tell you to wait, to stop, to hide. And that is rakak or rakak in the Hebrew, which means to become far or become distant, to be removed, to go far away. This describes when Joshua, if you remember the story after they started conquering these cities, they would stay. God told them to wait around not to be seen to hold off don't let anybody know what you're doing just to wait but the wait i'm talking about is the same as in isaiah 40 31 they that wait on the lord shall renew their strength the word is kava means to look forward to hope to expect to eagerly wait to linger to collect to bind together or to gather. 
That doesn't sound like you give up on God at all. God's going to provide. God will still be, uh, fulfill his promises. It doesn't sound like just to roll over and weep like the children of Israel did or be fearful because you hit a roadblock or a sitback. That tells me to prepare, to build a bridge, and when the timing is right, God will bring you across and complete the journey. Caleb, we know his future. Saints, this brings me to my last example of the Caleb effect. And that's where someone, and this is, this is a little sensitive, someone tells you it's not God's will. I'm not talking about swallowing daggers, pastor. I'm not talking about committing murder or some other crazy idea. I'm not talking about making believe you're a parrot. Crazy stuff. I'm not talking about robbing a bank. Those are pretty much up there where it's probably not God's will. I mean, that's just common sense. You're not going to do that. I'm talking about God giving you a specific calling on your life. And let me interject this. If you never act on God's calling because the way you think others, your pastor, your church ministry leaders, your family, your friends, your fellow saints, then that's an example of an internal Circumstance. So don't get that confused with somebody else is causing you to do that. And externally, you accept that and you create your path because of someone said something. It, it's, I know it's a little bored. It's almost like because somebody's outside saying something. That's an example of that. And that's on you. I know it's harsh, but it's true. If you let doubt and fear or even arrogance, I'm, I'm, too, I'm too good. God's calling me to go, go down to do a soup kitchen. I can't do that. If you let those things, that's, that's on you. But I specifically want to address the second part of the external circumstance. Someone telling you that it's not God's will. I know this is, might be very sensitive, a subject to some, and I understand that there are many reasons why someone would tell you no. I understand that. There are certain uh, circumstances, but I want to give you these experiences or reasons or, 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 or things uh, that, I, you know, that I'm, I'm, it's been in my mind I feel God has given me. God knows what you're going to do, but he doesn't make you do it against your will. Come on, we all believe that, right? right. We, don't, we don't believe that you're destined and that's the only way it's going to happen. We don't believe that. God's given us a free will. If we didn't have a free will and God makes you or not make you do something, then it negates everything that we, te we teach about God giving us a free will. He's told us. It's like when you, if you, you probably, if you ever given a Bible study, I'm giving it to you. You can take it. This is what the Bible says. This is what I firmly believe. You, you can take it. It's a very interesting, fantastic fact that even though God knows the outcome, and it's mind-boggling sometimes, he allows you to either make the decision or not. He allows you to do that, as well as to be influenced by these circumstances that I've laid out. God knows whether you'll be encouraged or hindered by someone else, but he's, he does not play the parts, if you will, you do. 
How could Caleb, who came from the tribe of praise, be held back by others? Isn't our praise our weapon as we sing in the song? But I believe that's what I've been calling external circumstances. For example, I, this is, this is uh, figuratively, is that the right word? I feel led to be a missionary to Japan. Don't worry, Pastor, I, I'm not, not going there, right? I, I feel led to be a missionary. God is calling me to Japan. I've dreamt of Japan. I've had visions of me reaching the lost in Japan. I've prayed about that. Yet your parents, your pastor, other spiritual authority in your life says, no, I don't believe it's God's will for you to go to Japan. Their influence on your life could prevent you from doing what you feel is God's will. Whew, this is touchy, right? This is crazy. I told you this is sensitive. As a leader, though, look at the leader through their eyes. It's hard to sit back and watch if we think someone is going down the wrong road and it's going to turn out bad in someone else's life. I'm trying to, I'm trying to play both, both parties here, right? Especially... When you feel like you could prevent it, that how many has done that? Wow, maybe I should have talked to them before they left the church. I didn't realize that. Now, this is different than being called. However, I have experienced this in, different, in uh, the same scenario in different uh, situations. I speak with experience on both sides of this. Okay? I feel like I've been wrong in this area. And I feel like I've learned and been right in this area. You have to be very careful because you cannot put your own, and I'm not talking to the ministry alone here. I'm talking to all of us here because we all have these conversations at grow groups or out there in, in homes or when we're fellowship. We all have conversations like, what should I be doing? What do you think about that? Or that person's doing this and that. We have to be very careful about this. All right, we can't let our own experience with similar circumstances that turned out terrible and inject that into another person's circumstance. Somebody did me wrong, so I'm never going to allow this to happen. No, we can't do that. And in other words, I was turned down and treated badly in a similar uh, circumstance, and so now I don't want you to go through the same thing. Or, man, I had an awesome experience. I'm sure you can do it. And then push them out the door. I just know it's God's will for you to go out and, uh, you know, run through coal or something, something crazy. We, we, because you did it. Or, you know, we got to be careful. I mean, my default answer, and I'm not wishy-washy, I'm not giving, giving up, giving in, is for someone to pray about it. To pray about it. To seek God in your life. To seek God in your life. I have been approached for specific things where in my situation, it was bad. And I had the power to turn them around to go a different way. But I am not going to get into that because of my hurt feelings and my experiences. What it is, you pray for God's will in your life. You pray. That is what is going to happen. Because you see, I've been flat out told it's not God's will for you to do this. 
Don't, no amount of prayer. I've been praying. No, it's, God doesn't want you to do this. And then years later, same circumstance or under, uh, individuals, hey, just pray about it and God will give you the answer. I can speculate on, on the various reasons through my experience with this for the res- why the response changed over the years. It could be spiritual maturity, physical maturity. It could be the circumstances in our lives, their lives, not wanting to make that decision at that time. It could have been a selfish reason, and it could have been a selfless re- reason. And that's why communication is a key to that, and I'm going to get into that in a little bit. Sometimes we give into the Caleb effect, and sometimes we stand up and believe this is God's will in our lives to do this at the time. I am 100%. I know I, I don't like 100% because when, when people come up here and they say stuff, 100%, my brain goes in. I'm going to search that up. I'm going to find something wrong with that. <laughs> no way. You, I don't believe in absolutes, right? Some people don't, except God. But I am 100% sure if God is calling you to do something and you have to jump hurdles and ravines and circumstances to get there, God is going to bless you. And I'm also completely 100% believe that if circumstances stop you to, and cause you to wait and cause you to go in a different direction, God is still going to bless you if you still continue to pursue his will. He, it will still be relevant and obtainable in your life. Back to the people trying to start a food pantry. God will still bless you. You remember, God knows though. God already knows. And he's like, I know what's going to happen. But you're going to have to make the decision. I know, it, it just sounds, doesn't that sound like crazy? It, it, it sounds so crazy. That's where we come in with faith. Knowing that God knows everything. I've seen God completely bless in both of the circumstances I just laid out. However, I know there are some circumstances where we go to a leader or a loved one and explain to them that God is doing in our lives and how we feel God is giving us direction to go to a new direction. And they do sometimes have an email pearl experience, a knee-jerk reaction. And they look at us like we're trying to commit murder or become that parrot. And I take that experience that I've had, and I don't doubt, I don't pout, I, I revisit God's will in my life. I revisit his calling, my prayer, fast, whatever that is. I revisit his direction. And if I still feel it strong, then I would come back, and I will say, God is still blessing me. I can't sleep. I have visions. I know God is going to send me somewhere. I just know it is. What I do not like to see is someone giving in, giving, um, giving up on their calling because of the Caleb effect. I know as leaders and families and loved ones, it can be difficult to see someone's path change differently than what we have expected. This has affected me a couple times in my life. I have, was best buds with another minister, and we were preaching, right, and preachers. And he decided that wasn't for him anymore. He wasn't backsliding or anything, but, boy, I reacted like it was. 
<laughs> what do you mean you don't want to follow that? Well, we're like twin brothers. What are you going to do? And, and, uh, and that was just the devil trying to get at me. And through the, and this, we've heard this book, The Bait of Satan. That, that helped me. The, the thought of that helped me with that. Not why, why am I offended over that? But I, but I could have let that destroy me. It could have caused me an issue too. Well, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not supposed to preach. I'm not supposed to be a leader. I'm not supposed to teach. He, he's not. He's still in church. He's still a leader. Amen. But that for that split moment, thank God I had a pastor that saw that in me and said, hold on now. We have to be very careful. We 100%, there's that word, absolutely think we're doing the right thing. But we see all these obstacles. Did I just, I think, uh, yeah. We see all these obstacles in the way and we say it's not God's will. You got to be careful. We could actually set someone else back by saying that. And we justify this by injecting our experience. I don't care. God told me this. This is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to say. But I don't, I don't believe entirely that. That's not 100% on my side right there. If God tells you to say something, please explain it. Brother Randy, explain why. Tell me, you know. Don't, don't, don't leave me hanging or, or I won't try to. Sister Ashley, I won't, I won't say, yeah, you, you know, tonight you shouldn't do that or you shouldn't play. I'm not going to do that because, because God told me or something that. I'm not, I'm not going to say that. Be honest, completely transparent. Don't make excuses that just might cause a Caleb effect. Leader, you will be surprised how much better an honest and transparent conversation is instead of this is how I feel, and that's that. It needs to come out of love, understanding, and yes, experience. Experience is not bad. It is not bad. It's what makes or breaks us, even in our, in, our, in our world, in our jobs and stuff like that. You want experience to do your job. Our lives as Christians is an experience. There's that uh, cliche, maybe you're the only Jesus somebody is going to see. You're a walking Bible study. You're an example of the goodness of God. That is because of your experience, good and bad. And, we, and that is something that we bring out on our grow groups as well, too. We have good and bad experiences in there. We open up, we cry, we pray with each other because of that. We don't shut people down without it. Well, we don't shut anybody down, really. <laughs> it doesn't, I was going to say, I want everyone in our church to hear me, leaders and laypersons. We are all human, and we can make mistakes. I've made plenty. Our words, as well as our actions or inactions, do have an impact on those around us. We must be very careful to have the appropriate response when someone approaches us for advice, direction, or even suggestions. I know it might sound like the easy way out, but I'm going to pray for God's will in anyone's life who comes to me with these concerns, suggestions. God knows what direction you will take to do his calling. He will bless you regardless. I believe that. If you are following his will, but you are the one that makes that decision. You decide if you follow what you feel is God's will in your life or listen to somebody else, what they feel is wrong or right in your life. You 
make that decision. It's a very sensitive, touchy, theological topic. I understand that. And it's caused many issues. And I, I'm not going to apologize and say the world and church. No, it has caused many issues in churches. Of course, we know it causes problems in the world. But it also causes problems and issues here. It can be stated, how can someone else know what God's will is in my life if I'm praying and asking God myself? The argument for this is truly God's will. If it's truly God's will, then both parties will come to the same conclusion. We have heard this over and over again. And I believe it's fact. I believe that we are praying. We will be in sync. However, if both parties are not praying, if brother so-and-so just wakes up in the morning and feels like I'm going to Alaska to be a missionary with nothing else, he maybe saw a movie about Eskimos the night before, and he realized, hey, this is a calling. He hasn't prayed about it. But the pastor who's been praying daily for things in the church and stuff like that, when you come, it comes as a shock. No, this is not nothing. Have, no, have nothing done that. So we, both parties need to be praying about that. I, I have been told, I, I haven't really approached pastors many times with any life-changing things in my life. A few times. I said, we've been praying for a few weeks about this. He goes, okay, give me a chance to pray about this as well. And we will pray and we'll come and come to the conclusion and we will see and we'll feel and I'll feel what God's thing. And guess what? God spoke to us. And the, the result was, was reachable and, and good and honest and, and transparent. And there was no hard feelings during that time that those decisions and circumstances Caleb and Joshua and even Moses understood that this land was flowing with milk and honey. And it's God's will to be going. However, because of other people weren't in tune to God's plan and they allowed fear to enter their thoughts, they negated God's initial order to cross over, to go to the promised land, to take it. And we know we mentioned earlier God was so angry that Moses had to talk him out of destroying them. Sister Melody, but God. God kept his promise to Caleb. Caleb who stood up with Joshua because they were called by God. This is a, 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 an experience, a life lesson, that a church lesson that we need to know. God called you to do something. Stand up. Obstacles come in your way. Continue your path. Continuing following God. Continue that mission, that vision that God gave you. Don't let anybody else, right? I, I know that's hard to say because Caleb let other people, they did. They let other people get in the way. But it's a lesson to be learned not to let God's will just disappear from your life. Keep following that. If you, like I said, if you have to build a bridge, and then when God says it's ready, you cross the bridge. In other words, prepare. Remember that wait I was telling you about? They that wait on the Lord. We're not just going to roll over. I've heard that so many years, right? We're just not going to sit. The wait means, no, be prepared. Be ready. Continue God's work. Be an evangelist. Be, be a soul winner. You know, make disciples. Do this. After 40 years of wandering and five more years uh, within Canaan, Caleb was 85 years old. 
Bible says he was as strong as he was when he was in his 40s. God's going God's to provide. God's going to give you strength and endurance for this. Amen? If it takes one year, six months, three weeks, or 40 years, God is still God. You don't have to worry about him getting tired or forgetting. God is still God. Caleb was strong. He was able to fight the same giants that had frightened all those people 45 years before. His confidence was born out of his absolute faith in the promises of God. That is what I want to transmit or to you. Your faith. Your faith. You need absolute faith in the promise that God gave you. You need that. When we look at the life of Caleb, we see a faithful man who trusted God to fulfill his promises when others allowed fears to override their faith. Even in his later years, Caleb remained steadfast in his faith. God blessed Caleb for his faithfulness, his patience, and encouragement to us. And it was an encouragement to us to believe God. Caleb's experience is a lesson for us all. Let's stand this morning. Caleb was faithful to God. And he had tested courage. He's been through the fire, right? The church, just like us, he's been through that. He's been through the battles. Yes, he decided, you know, okay, I'm in the wilderness now. I'm going to still do God's will. I'm going to be a a conqueror. I'm going to be victorious because God gave me a promise. When the entire nation wanted to quit and turn back, Caleb said, let's go up and take possession at once. And we are able to overcome it. I want to see some positivity in God's will in our church, in our lives. If you want to be like Caleb, you have to be faithful to God. See the good in every situation. Be a risk taker. Press on without procrastinating when the time is right. Like Caleb, we should be prepared to, be, uh, to follow God in every circumstance, patiently waiting for him to fulfill his promise and ready to take action, whether that's now or in our future. Amen. Why don't we worship God this morning? Lord, we love you, Jesus. Thank you, mighty God. You are great, God. You are our mighty God. Open my mind and my understanding to your word, God. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Lord. Use me, God. Take my hand, Lord. Lead me, Lord. Lead me, Lord. Can use me. I give myself away. Oh, I give myself away. So you can use me. my heart, take my life, living sacrifice, all my dreams, all my plans, thank you Lord, God your will right now in my life God, is in your hands Lord, thank you Lord, I give myself away. Self away. Give myself away. Oh, thank you, God. So I give myself away. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. God is good. He's wonderful. Completely surrender to God. In every aspect of your life, give yourself to him. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Before, before we dismiss, I do, I do intend to make this point. We have a pastor in this church. All right. He needs to be involved in your calling. Amen. Amen. He needs to be there. He needs to under, understand, and, and he wants to be there in your calling, in your life. God has created him our, our, and put him in place as our leader. Amen. I know we have friends and influences, but we have a pastor. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's, uh, we have 20 minutes. Let's go and let's get a hold of.